Uh, speaking of house party, I'm just going to take a second and brag. Now, there's some new people here. Maybe this is the first time you've been to Well House, or maybe this is the first time you've been in a long time, and you don't know what a house party is. It's a little insider language, so let me tell you what it is. Well, yesterday, we, we do this several times throughout the year. Uh, we, we set aside either a Saturday or an afternoon, or sometimes it's Sunday. We've done a Sunday morning house party. But what it is, we go out into the community, and we serve in all different kinds of ways. And I just want to take a second and brag. Can I do that? Um, yesterday afternoon, I just had a moment where I sat at my computer and Lori was there and we were kind of, we were, I, w- I was supposed to be keeping an eye on the grill, burn a piece of chicken as a result. Um, but I was just overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed uh, that God is working through this place the way that he is. And what overwhelmed me about it was that he chose me to be a partner in it and he chose me to lead. And I just had this moment where I went, God, you have, you've done more than I could ask or imagine. And so yesterday, just to kind of give you some brief, uh, we went out in about eight or nine different ways, and we just served our community. Some went down to the, to the adult marathon. Our students are going down there today to serve our kids, serve the kids of the city. And it was just such a melting pot, and we got to just pass out uh, medals, and we got to pass out uh, uh, juice and, and, and chocolate milk and cold towels. It was just awesome. And some cleaned up the grounds here. You know, we meet here every week, and they cleaned up the grounds and put some landscaping down and some flowers. They even matched the flowers hours to the color of the school. And so, you know, they're going to come back. Teachers will come back tomorrow and see those and see the sunshine. And we had people that helped a partner. We had people that went down and served at a food lab, which is just a garden that uh, all the food and produce that is, is produced there goes into like the homeless community or into uh, serving vets and, and other, other things and other places. Some went down to a pantry and helped serve uh, some underprivileged people who just uh, just need a little extra boost. And, and what I love about the pantry is that they give you the dignity of shopping for your own stuff, and so they got to go down there, and I'm going to forget some. But, but what I love is that we got to do that, and we had no strings attached to any of it. I had a guy ask me this week, um, and this is not part of my lesson, so just bear with me for a second, but I had a guy ask me this week, who pastors a church in town, he said, you know, how did you get to the place where you could do things no strings attached? I said, well, I had to go and kind of start one. Um, But what he was asking, he says, it just seems like when we go to serve in the name of Jesus, there's too many times a string attached. Well, how do we know that what we're doing is going to the right places? And what if the wrong people get their hands on it? And we don't know everything about the people. And, and what if, you know, and what if, what if? And he said, I spend all my time selling our leadership on that we should be out in our community serving because we don't know all the answers. So here's what we do. We don't do anything. And I just thought yesterday, that's why I had this moment, and I don't want to get all emotional on it, where I went, I love that I get to serve at a place and lead a place where I don't ever have to convince you Going and serving and loving our community is the right thing to do. So thank you guys yesterday. It was awesome. And um, here's my encouragement to you. Um, Don't wait on us to organize another day. If you'll go on our website and hit Do More, there are about 15 different organizations there that need volunteers six, some seven days a week. Take your, your people that you work with and your family. Take your kids. Take your neighbors and say, hey, I don't know what you're doing Tuesday night, but let's just go and serve Second Harvest Food Bank. Or, hey, let's go and serve the Little Pantry. Don't wait on us to do sign-up sheets. Go and, and just make that a part of who you are. And that's a part of our DNA, but make it a part of your family, your workspace, your neighborhood. Make it a part of the DNA. And walk away from those places 
just being satisfied that you helped someone out that day. Don't worry about the results. Don't worry about being able to chart that they meet. Just, just go and love on people. And don't worry about whether they're going to do the right things with what you gave. Just give and serve and be generous. When we, when, we, when we do anything else, I'm preaching a side sermon, by the way. But when we do anything else, we shortchange God. Let God work in their life. Let, God, let, let the Spirit work in their life with what you're doing with your hands. Don't worry about producing results. You just go and live out of the overflow of love. Sound good? So thank you guys for doing yesterday. It was awesome. Uh, we are finishing up a series today called Text, and it has been amazing. I've heard from several of you how you have begun new rhythms, or maybe you got reacquainted with an old rhythm, but it's really been about, about the Scripture. It's been about the Bible, and it's been practical things. It's been a lot of reasons why you need to, and, and dusting the, the, the dust off the cover, and just getting back into some rhythms. And uh, hopefully that has started to benefit you, and so today I'm going to give you a few more practical things, and then kind of leave this series with you. We're going to follow this series up. We're going to take a little bit of break because we got some Senior Sunday stuff coming up and some other things, but we're going to follow this series up with our house group season that begins in June. We're going to follow the series up with a, 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 a series on prayer and so kind of communication both ways, so we're looking forward to that. Uh, growing up, one of my favorite things is I look back through pictures, and I did that this week. We all had people in our lives or that we saw that we wanted to be like. People or characters that maybe you dressed up like. I saw somebody in the uh, foyer this morning, one of our kids back in kids ministry. He had rolled out a bunch of paper towels, the big brown ones, and he had it on like a cape. And I was like, what is going on? I said, he's like, I'm a superhero. I'm here to, to clean up you know, crime, or he's, I'm, I'm here to, you know, wipe up the city kind of thing. You know, and this, this was, but his imagination was running wild. But we had people in our lives, characters that we wanted to be like. And so we watched every movie and we saw every episode that came on in the afternoons. We read books or we combed through comics and we mimicked their moves. We did everything that, at least in our imaginative world, we, we did everything just like they did. We collected all the toys and all the stuff that went along with it. You probably have somebody in mind right now. For me, I spent a lot of time for several years mimicking and trying to be like John Baker. Does anybody remember John Baker? Most don't remember John Baker. You remember his sidekick, Punch. Now, I see. Now we were there. So John Baker and, and Frank Ponch, Poncharello, was this cop duo, you remember? And they worked in California, and they'd patrol the streets of L.A., and they made up a motorcycle cop team known as Chips. And that was, that was short for California Highway Patrol. And I watched the shows. I had the action figures. I was on eBay this week. I still wished I had the action figures, uh, but I had all the action figures. I had what was called the Viewmaster disc. And again, half the crowd's going to know this, but back before you could get on YouTube and watch part of the episode the way you can now, we had these little discs, and the little disc had these little clear windows that had a little freeze frame from the show, and you would insert these into like this little pair of goggles, and you would put it on, and it was really, really high tech, and you would pull this little thing on the side, and you'd go click, and it would show you a still frame, 
And then you'd, you'd click again, and it would show you, like, the next still frame. And if you do it fast enough, you could, like, get, like, a, like a three-second clip of the show. And then you'd have to insert disc two, and then you'd go click, 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 click. And you go, all right, I'm almost there. Disc 17, click, 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 click. And, and so I had all the Viewmaster of chips. I had all this stuff. I had the sunglasses. I had the uniform. And most importantly, I had the bike. I had the motorcycle. And so I would roll this thing around the house and down the street, and I'd get with the neighborhood kids. I wore the wheels off this thing, but I wanted to be Officer John. I wanted to be John Baker, and and I wanted to find my sidekick, Ponch, and we were going to take down the whole neighborhood crime, and I imitated every move. In fact, I would get in trouble for imitating moves. I would handcuff my sister and hide the key. And my dad would go, listen, we're not doing this, you know, and so finally he'd take away the handcuffs. But I did this for years, even through high school. I didn't, I didn't go around handcuffing people in high school. But I wanted to be a state trooper in high school. And the thing about it, I thought I was equipped to be a state trooper because I had spent so much time watching chips. So I thought, that's all there is to it, right? I watch chips. I know how to be a cop. And and again, God had a different plan for my life, and I'm glad because if I had gone on to be a a cop, it would have been more like super trooper instead of state trooper. It would not have been good, but God had a different plan. But I loved chips. And there are others throughout the course of my childhood that I would spend time mimicking and looking at and saying, okay, how do I become like them? And guys, that's the point of the story. See, we've been in this series, we're going to close it today, text where we've just been showcasing the Bible for what it is. We've not really gone to a specific part of the Bible other than to say the Bible is something that that is unique and it's life-giving, but it's life-changing, it's transformative. And so what we know about the Bible is that it's a collection of 66 books and they're all to be read differently and some of them are history and some of them are poetry and some of them tell a story of this Messiah. Some are letters to churches and some are just song books and we have all this collection of 66 books that is written by 40 plus, plus authors over 1,500 years and what we have kind of honed in on and what you maybe are beginning to see as you read through is that it tells one story. It's a a story of redemption. It's a story where we are called to bear the image of the one who created us. And so God in the beginning created us, created humankind in his image. And what we see is that he gives us, when we get to the New Testament, he gives us this, this embodiment of himself named Jesus. He gives us Jesus so that we can begin to imitate, where we can begin to, to, to mimic And begin to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Jesus was the point of the story. It's finding salvation through Jesus and then being transformed by Jesus to be like Jesus. And so as we begin to see this unfold, we begin to go, wow, there are some things that I can do differently in life. There's some ways I can navigate differently because I I watched how Jesus did those things. You know, on several occasions, Jesus said things like this, just as I have done, go and do likewise. And they were always simplistic things. Hey, you saw me serve someone, now you go and serve. He goes, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. He tells them, you know, you look at one of the last moments that he has with the disciples where he gets down on a knee and he washes their feet and he says, "If, if you can't do like I've done, You can't be a part of the kingdom. You can't be a part of this. I want you to serve. We saw him forgive people. 
And he would say, just as you've been forgiven, as you have witnessed, and as you have received forgiveness, go and, and forgive others. How many times? 70 times seven. Just, just go and, and, and carry with you a forgiving spirit. He would say things like, you know, as I've loved you, as the Father has loved you through me, go and love. He says, you know, people will know that you are a disciple. People will know that you are following me by the way you love one another. So just as I have done, just as I've loved you, just as I've served, just as I have forgiven, you go and do those things. Be imitators of me. Be transformed by the story in such a way that you begin to live out the story you live out the story as Jesus. Paul picks up on this. Paul picks up on this in several occasions. And if you don't know who Paul is, Paul was kind of a late bloomer. He kind of came to know Jesus late after spending some time really kind of crushed, trying to crush the movement. He joins the movement. And when he joins the movement, it changes his life. And so he's telling some people that he knows in this little place called Corinth, and he's telling this to new Christians, new to the scene, new to following Jesus. Here's what he says. He says, imitate me because I'm imitating Christ. So the message was, do what you see me doing to get you started. But ultimately, I want to get you to a place where you get to know Jesus so well that you're studying and looking at every move he made in order to be like Jesus. He tells the people in Galatians, he says, let me tell you why I live. Let me tell you how my life has transformed. He tells these people in this little city, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. He says, I've kind of just given my life up. I've died to myself. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. He says, but, but Jesus lives in me. He says, now the life you now see me live, as you see me navigate the marketplace, as you see me navigate the neighborhood, as you see me navigate relationships, he says, it's, it's now faith in the Son. It's faith in Jesus who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, so here's the thing. The goal is to be like Jesus. So here's, here's the question that we kind of want to end this whole series with. If the goal is twofold, giving my life to Jesus, and in doing so, committing to become like Jesus, imitating him in the way that I live, in the way that I interact with people, then it's safe to say it's going to be difficult to do that if we don't watch the episode. It's going to be difficult to do that if we never view the viewmaster. You're not really going to know what Jesus does if we don't spend time in here. And guys, that's the point. The point is not to get you in the Word so that you, you know, we're not going to do a Bible bowl in the summer. We're not doing, it's not to get you just to, to know the facts and figures. No. It's to get you to a place where you begin to be transformed into the character, where you begin to be transformed into Jesus, where you're studying and watching so that you can live out life transformed and mimicking every move. Guys, I don't know if you realize or not, that's one of our central goals here at Wellhouse. See, after we tell you every week that, you know, we, we are a community of imperfect people who are loved by and serve a perfect God, we kind of have a second statement that we don't say quite as much, but it's there. Our goal is to move people into a life fully devoted to Jesus. It's to move people into becoming a disciple of Jesus. It's beginning to move people where they become like Jesus, and we can't grow to be like Jesus if we don't grow in the way that we read and spend time 
See, we said last week that when we open this, when we begin to crack the page, it doesn't matter where you crack it. It tells one story anyway. It doesn't matter where you start, that the goal is to get in here so that our faith begins to flourish. And so when we begin to take ownership and not just someone else's word, I'm, I'm so glad that you guys listen to me every week, but I don't want you to take my word forward. I want you to take ownership of it. And the way that happens is when we open the word and when it begins to infiltrate our lives and our habits and it leaves an imprint on our hearts in a way that is real life and matters in real time in the way that we live. See, owning a copy is not enough. It's the opening it that makes it come alive. Understanding every part of it is not necessary. See, sometimes we get scared and intimidated because we don't know every single part. And we're like, oh my goodness, I'm going to get overwhelmed. I don't have the training for this. I don't know the right stuff. We said that it's not an intellectual pursuit. It's a relational pursuit. So don't be afraid. And here's what's going to happen. God, and some of you have already experienced this because you've emailed me, you've texted me, I've, heard, I've overheard conversations. What begins to happen is, is God interacts with you on a basic level. Not, a, not an intellectual level, not even a theological. He just begins to, to interact with you at a basic level, and he begins molding us and shaping us to be like Jesus. And then we navigate life differently. That's the point. The point is not, I'm reading my Bible, and my life's still full of stress, and I thought if I read my Bible, God would take away all my problems. No, what he does is he gives you a different perspective. And so hopefully we're beginning to see this. Jesus got this. Jesus knew the importance of this, and more importantly, he modeled this. So again, if part of it's being like Jesus, what if we take a second and let's just look at Jesus? See, what we need to know is that Jesus made it a regular habit. I'm only going to give you a snapshot. I'm going to give you one of those Viewmaster freeze frames this morning. I'm just giving you one little piece of what the overall text tells us through the Gospels of how Jesus did this, but he found it valuable to spend time with the Father. And what you need to know about this is that he found it valuable to spend time with the Father, to spend time with God, even though he was the embodiment of God. So if God needs to spend time with God, if God the Son needs to spend time with God the Father, then guess what I need to do? I need to spend some time with God. But he found time to carve out time to unwind, to, to, to slow down, and to open up the communication highway where he understood that, you know what, it's, it's important that I spend time in prayer, but it's also important that I spend time recollecting, recalling. See, he didn't have the Bible as we had it, but he knew it. We see this as a child. He was there unscrolling what he did have access to, but he had stored it, and so stored it in his heart. So he had these moments where, where he would, would go, God, I got to spend some time. Let me just give you a few. Matthew 14, we go through the Gospels. Matthew 14, it says, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray, to commune, to communicate, to say, God, I've got to carve out some time. Luke 4, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. Well, when they came to him, he tried, they tried to keep him from leaving. It was just this mob scene. But he, before he got into the mob scene, spent some time in a solitary place. Luke 5 Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Luke 6, one of those days, Jesus went to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. This is just a snapshot. Then we get over to Mark. If you know anything about Mark, you know that he is always in a hurry. 
I don't know if he's trying to get us to the good stuff, if he's trying to get us to the cross, but Mark is a man of few words. He is always, always, always rushed. He doesn't tell the birth story. It's like, boom, I'm gone. I'm going to give you little snippets along the way, but I'm just not. In fact, he uses the word immediately 39 times or so in his text. He is in a rush, except he's in no rush. He's in no hurry to tell you how unhurried Jesus was. And again, I'm just giving you a short list, but look at this. He tells us about Jesus, Mark chapter 1, right out of the gate. He says that once the Spirit sent him, talking about Jesus, sent him out into the wilderness. And here's what you need to know about the wilderness. We don't have time to unfold it. This was a place of isolation, free of distraction, in order to prep him for ministry that was coming. And the Spirit, being in tune with Jesus himself, says, listen, you got to spend some time in a place where there's no distraction. There's going to be no noise. We need you to get out there because in that space, you're going to find prep for what is coming. Mark 1, we're going to stay right in Mark 1. Listen to this. Very early, not just early, but very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. Mark 3, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake. Mark 6, immediately, there's one of those immediately's. Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, now get this, after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Mark 14, we see the close of of Jesus' life on earth. And it's this moment where he knows what's ahead, the, the cross is ahead. And it says, they went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus says to the disciples, sit here while I pray. So he took Peter, James, and John with him. He began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said, stay here and keep watching. Now look what Jesus does. Going in a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed. God, if it's possible, let this hour pass. Guys, I could keep reading, but you get the point. The point is this, is that Jesus valued time with God, the Father. And yeah, it says prayer a lot, but in those moments, he's reflecting the will of God that was given to him through Scripture. We see it throughout text, him quote Scripture. And he's opening up that pipeline of communication going, God, I love the give and take. I love the conversation. I I love not just talking and asking, and we see that, but we say, I love the points where we get to just sit quiet and listen, God. We said a couple of weeks ago, what if God, the Father, wants to say something to you even more than doing something for you? I believe that God wants to say something specifically to every single one of you. But in order to receive that, we've got to open it up and begin to let God speak to us in ways. So here's what I see from watching Jesus. Just like I watched John Baker, and I knew how to slap the cuffs on my sister and pin her to the ground. As I began to watch the episode, so to speak, unfold of Jesus, here's what I see. I see three things, or I see two things, we're going to add a third one to it. I see two things surface, and this is where it's going to get really practical for you as we kind of close this down. I see time, and I see place, and we're going to add a third one in just a second. But those are three practical steps that I'm going to leave you with today. Here they are, ready? 
time, place, and plan. If you're in a place where you go, listen, I don't know where to start and my schedule's crazy and I hear what you're saying, I receive what you're putting out there, but I, I, it's just overwhelming to me. I've tried before and I just, it, it, just, it just all swirls together and then I get behind. You know, I start the one year and then, you know, I get to January 15th and I'm behind and then, I, you know, I'm so discouraged and, you know, and so here's what I'm going to tell you. It's time, place, plan. In fact, just say it. Ready? Time, place, plan. Guys, that's easy, right? Time place, plan. Everybody that I know, let's just start with time. Everybody that I know that reads scripture regularly on a regular basis typically does it at a specific time and place. I can call my mom in the morning. I learned this from her. I could call my mom in the morning between a certain time and I could go, mom, what are you doing? And nine times out of 10, she's going to say, Coffee and listening to God. Coffee and reading. What are you reading? I'm in Isaiah today. Every day, my mom gets up. And I would bet that if you read Scripture, if you read the Bible regularly, you probably have at least a semi, if not fully regular, time and place. Here's what I want you to do. Choose a time. Until you get going, until you kind of get the ball rolling, schedule it. I want you to, to hit the home button, hold it for a second, and she's going to come on and go, how may I help you? And you go, schedule reading the Bible every morning at 8 a.m. And let her add that. But I want you to, to, to schedule it. And I want you to think of this as an appointment with God. I know that sounds like, really, do I need to do, go that far? yes. Guys, I have to schedule everything. You know, I had somebody this morning say, hey, can you do lunch on Wednesday? And I have to put all that stuff in. But when I put it in, when I make an appointment, it reminds me, here's what I've got to do today. Oh, here's what I've got to do tomorrow. Here's what I've got next Thursday. Schedule it just like you do a, a lunch with a friend or, or a dinner with, with a couple. Schedule this. Make it your appointment. And here's why. We schedule what is important. And we schedule what we don't want to forget. I don't want to forget about dinner. I don't want to forget about the Preds game. I don't want to forget about. And so we schedule that which is important. For me, morning is best. You see it in Jesus' life, morning is best. And let me hit the brakes before somebody goes, oh, my goodness. I hate mornings. Hate mornings. I'm the farthest thing from a morning, morning person. But what I've come to realize, especially in the last 30 days, is I've kind of renewed this whole thing in my own life. That mornings work best for me. Morning is that time where things are quieter. And I know that you may not be a morning person, but here's what I do know about you. You do something in the morning. We all do something in the morning. And so maybe we can look at this in a practical way of maybe this is my way of seeking first the kingdom. I'm going to seek first God this morning. And what I found is that it serves as a mental and a moral reboot. It sets, uh, uh, it's good for my conscience. It's good for my planning the day. It's good for my perspective. It clears out confusion. It just sets up my day differently. And I hate getting up earlier to do it. But I see the benefits. I see the fruit of those things. And so here's why I schedule. Here's why I want you to schedule. See, scheduling time ensures that nothing will interrupt it. No. Nope. Breakfast is going to have to wait till 8. Breakfast is going to have to wait till 7.45 because I've got an appointment at 7.15. 
So schedule that. Say to yourself, it's first. Then, then choose a place. Change of scenery. We see Jesus do this. And listen, I, as much as I'd love to stay here in the boat, I've got to have a change of scenery. I'm going to go up on the mountain. You guys go ahead and I'm going to find a place, a place where there's no distraction, a place that I can specifically come and spend time with God. So I don't know what that is for you. Maybe it's a room in your house. Maybe it's a chair that you don't normally sit in. Don't go to the recliner, not at 7.15 in the morning, right? But maybe it's a place, you know, I don't really sit in that chair a lot. Maybe it's a, a window with a view. For me, it's the kitchen table. I told you last week we eat out all the time, so we don't ever use the table for what it's meant to be used for. So I thought, well, it'll just be my place I can study. So every morning, I try to get up. And I grab my coffee, and I sit where there's little to no distraction, and, and that's where the place is. If you're struggling to get out of the gate, here's, what, here's the point. Just pick a time and pick a place. And here's what will happen. It will begin to establish rhythms. It will begin to, to, to finding that space and time will begin to establish rhythms. And you'll begin to take steps in mimicking who Jesus is. You'll begin to follow in his steps. See, Jesus relates, or he models this a lot as it relates to prayer. But the point was this, he is constantly regularly pulling away to these private places at specific times. He even says, you know what, when you do this, go into a room and close the door. He says, value this. And so we begin to take steps like Jesus. Another thing that happens, at least in my life, is that I begin to activate, when I do this, I begin to activate my compassion. See, we begin to see, I don't have to get very far. I get to Matthew, you know, one, two, three, four, I get in there. And what I begin to see is that Jesus sees and feels certain things. And so as I begin to follow in the footsteps of Jesus viewing the viewmaster, I begin to see what Jesus sees. I begin to feel what Jesus feels, and I begin to be moved by what moves Jesus. See, it makes it way harder for me to walk away from certain things in our culture when it's easy to walk away when I see Jesus not walking away. When I see him dining in places that everybody else thought was questionable. I go, I need to spend more time in those places. When I see him nurture an adulterous woman, when I begin to see him have conversation with an outcast around a well out in a public place, then all of a sudden I'm drawn in to the people and the places that everybody else, especially other Christians, say, I'm not sure that's what we should be about. I'm going, well, that's what moved Jesus and so it activates my compassion. And I begin to seek and crave the fringes because guess what? I see Jesus on the fringes. I begin to see con connectivity happen. It closes the isolation gap. All of a sudden, I begin to see as I set up these times and places that, wow, I know what Jesus is saying now, that when, when, when the vine is connected to the branch and the branch to the vine, fruit happens. And so I began to go, wow, I'm not in this alone. And so you, 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 can't, you can't connect enough. You're like, oh, I, I can't wait till in the morning where I can reconnect to the branch. I began to, to see this inside-outside flow. I began to see and experience the Father's love inside, and I began to experience it and begin, begin, begin to be an agent of distribution outside. What, what comes over me inside eventually flows to the outside, and here's what I began to see. See, we started way early in this series talking about balance, that we don't want you to view this as a rule book. I began to balance some things in my life. Well, what do I mean? I began to see the Bible's not legalistic at all. When I set up these regular times and places, what I go, oh, 
It's not a rule book. It's not legalistic because here's what happens when we view it that way. The better I keep the rules, the better person I am. And if you don't keep the rules quite as good as I do, then I'm better than you. And so what happens is I begin to balance my life. Oh, wait, there's a place for relationship and law, but there's a place for humility as I interact with people. Rhythms. Then I want to give you one more as we close. We have a time, we have a place, and I want you to add a plan. We've tried, and, and hopefully we've been successful in this, we have tried to kind of help you start, and maybe you're getting to the place where you go, wow, I'm, I'm about to close my 30 days, and so what do I do? And so what I want you to do, I don't know where you started. We, these are available out at Next Steps. We gave you three different bookmarks. I'll just remind you, if you weren't here, the red one was the easiest one. And so you can meet Jesus in 30 days, and you go, wow, I'm on day 24, and I feel really good. What do I do next? Well, maybe you go to the Gospels, which is the blue. And it's another 30 days, okay? Let's just take 30 days at a time. You know, let's don't get ahead of ourselves. Maybe, you know, you're new to this or maybe, you, you know, you're finding it hard to find these rhythms. All right, go ahead and take the Gospels. It takes about 10, 15 minutes a day. And then if you want to move from there, you can go to the green. There's a green bookmark where you can get through the entire New Testament in 30 days. And, and, and so you go, okay, what, I like this. I'm starting to feel rhythms. Now, for those of you who are going, listen, I, I'm absolutely in love with this. Let me tell you what we've done. We're going to stretch you out six months. We're going to stretch you out a year. And I want to challenge somebody somewhere today, 30 days, 60 days, six months, year. We have made it easy for you. So if you go to our website now, you can find everything I'm about to tell you. Here's what we've given you. We have given you a track that is the New Testament in six months. It's manageable, it's doable, it's a plan that you can begin in Matthew and you can walk all the way through Revelation in six months. You go, listen, there's no way I can tackle it in 30 days. That's fine. Six months, that's available. Let me tell you about another one. We're gonna, we've given you a track that's going to allow you to download and be able to look at and view a yearly. Maybe you're like, all right, I'm ready to tackle you know, way more than just 30 days or, or 60 days. Go with the year and you go, well, but it's not January 1. See, we, we typically associate that with January 1. We think that it's a January 1 type thing. Well, let me, let me tell you how the year works. A year starts whenever you start it. 365 days is 365 days. So here's what we're going to do. Late April starts the year. So take that, and it's manageable. And, and, and we've even built into that a one-day-a-week reflection time where there is no reading. So six days a week, one year, will get you through the entire Bible. And then I'm going to tell you about one more plan, and this is the one that I'm really excited about. It's my favorite. It's the one I'm going to do. We're going to give you a 180-day tour of the Bible. So in 180 days, you're going to go from Genesis to Revelation, and you're going to tour the Bible. Now, it's not every detail, but it is the major themes. And so here's what you're going to get. You're going to see in the beginning the plot unveiled and then birthing a nation. You're going to see this promise to Abraham. Then you're going to see the golden age when everything was good. And then you're going to see division happen. You're going to spend some time in the north and the south kingdom. And then you're going to see them start over. And then you're going to see these cries of pain. God, have you forgot us? And then you're going to see this surprising Messiah. Wow, I didn't see that coming. Then you're going to see responses to Jesus, and then you're going to see the final days, and then you're going to see the birth of the church where the word spreads, and then you're going to see Paul's legacy as he ministers and plants and starts these churches, and then you're going to see some vital letters that wrap all of this up. It's just a guided tour, and so you're going to be able to take that tour, and you're going to see a thread that runs through, and it's a thread of a loving God that will go out of his way to seek and redeem his creation. Guys, that's only a small sample 
of what's out there. We've given you six different plans, but you need to set a time, schedule it, find a place, and get a plan. Because when you get a plan and you get in that time and that space, you get to hit the ground running. Now, there's a couple of things on your seat as we kind of land this. I want to give you one final thought. I want you to interact with your Bible. I want you to interact with it. And I know that's, that some of us may have grown up with a, an overly holy view of this. Where, don't touch it, not too hard, you know, don't spank your kid with it, which are all good. But we grew up in it where, you know, writing in it or, you know, folding a pay, you know, like you just, I don't know how I feel about that. I'm going to give you permission to do all those things. I want you to interact with your Bible. So here's what I want you to do. You should have gotten a pen. Start writing in it. Use those margins. If you don't know what kind of pen to use, here it is. It's fancy. It's a big blue stick, okay? Take it and write, like underline. Go, wait, I remember something about that in the last page. And begin to, to draw lines to those things. Circle things. Oh, that's what I need right now. Man, that's like, that was written for me. And, and, and cross-reference things and, and write what you were thinking at the moment. Guys, there's things I've written in mind. I have to go, what was I thinking? But it meant something. And, and so in that moment, it became real to me. But I want you to write in it. I want you to underline. I want you to highlight. I want you to, to do whatever you can to, 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 to bring this thing to life where you're interacting. Oh, yeah. Maybe for you, journaling is your thing. So take the pen and journal. Like, oh, that's exactly what I needed at this moment in time. I want you to memorize it. Let me tell you how you're going to do that. You're going to use these. Take these and, and buy you a pack. They're a buck at the dollar store. But take those things and begin to, to write what stands out. Jot down a verse like, oh, that is perfect. That's going to get me through the day. That is exactly what I needed for today. God, you knew that before I woke up, right? And so, man, write it. Put it in the dash of your dashboard of your car. Put it on your mirror. But begin to interact that it's not just something that you go, okay, boom, see you tomorrow. But you begin to interact with it in such a way where you go, listen, this is, this is real life. This is really happening. And then I want you to pray through it. Before you ever close the cover, just say, God, help me to be like the person I just read about. Or in some cases, help me not to be like the person we just read about. God, just when I face a trial today, remind me that this is testing my faith that's going to produce something greater. Father, today, will you just forgive me and then allow me to forgive somebody in my life? God, will you help me do unto others as you have done unto me? but interact with it. And here's why. Because the Word of God is living, it's active, and it's better than any sermon you'll ever hear me preach. Any sermon. And it is available to you every single day. Paul says this, for the Word of God is alive and active sharper than any two-edged sword that penetrates to the dividing soul, to the hardest places to reach, to the joints and the marrow. It judges thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And in doing so, it changes our 
lives. Who wouldn't want to read that? So find a place, find a time, and get in a plan. And watch what God will do. You know, we get feedback from all different areas of our lives. Thumbs up, thumbs down, verbal feedback, feedback on a text. But we get a variety of sources that that give us feedback all the time. Sometimes we want it, sometimes we don't. Feedback on our lives, our relationships, our decisions. And this book, here's why I want you to view it. It's an opportunity for you to get feedback from your Creator. And there are going to be times where he says, hey, good job, keep doing what you're doing. And there are going to be times the feedback's going to say, listen, let's adjust something. But I'm not just going to tell you to adjust it so that I love you more. I'm going to tell you to adjust something so that you can live life fuller. You can become more like Jesus. You can become more like the one who loves you more than you'll ever know. 